Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio. I am your host, Cheryl Todd, and I am excited to be chatting with my friend today, Gina Roberts. Gina Roberts is a competitive shooter, is one of the California delegates to the DC Project. She serves as the President Emeritus of the San Diego Log Cabin Republicans, as well as the Corresponding Secretary of the Escondido Republican Women's Federated. Gina is one of the faces chosen to grace the 2019 Time Magazine cover dedicated to discussing guns in America, and she is also running for a position on the NRA Board of Directors for 2020. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you, Cheryl. It's so good to be here. Thank you. I'm excited. There's so many things that we could talk about together. I mean, you are in California, right? We have other words for it, but yes, California. (laughs) We are co-DC Project Delegates. And hold up that magazine cover real quick. Uh, We have uh, the video audience will be able to see this. The audio audience will just have to imagine. Uh, It's a, there's 247 faces, I think, on that magazine cover. And you are one of them. It's really, really awesome. What, um, I think the artist, the photographer is JR. JR, yeah. Put that together. Magazine cover. And it, you can still go online and see the online version of that where everybody that's on the cover actually even speaks and gives like a little testimony. Is that correct? Yes. It, uh, it's t- uh, time.com slash guns in America. And if you Google that, it'll pop up the, the introductory page for that. And then you can go to the, the, that big picture and click on any one of the people on there. And it takes you to their audio interview, which is really, you know, it was really interesting because we were, it was actually a year ago today that I flew there to go do that. Oh, wow. I, I was left Pittsburgh flying to, and it was actually on the 5th that we did it. And, um, but uh, yeah, we were all like kind of freaked out. I said, well, time isn't exactly known <laughs> as the most open-minded organization in the history of the world when it comes to non-liberal views. And uh and we were assured, uh, Diana was assured by the Time Magazine people um, that um, they would do a good job. And they did. To their credit, um, in my interview, and you know, they, the only thing they did was clean up the interviews. Uh, pretty much it was word for word. In my case, I om and ah enough that they actually blipped out one word, but it didn't mean anything. Um, so they did. They presented it exactly like we said it. So I was very honored to be involved in that. Got to hang with a lot of really cool people. <laughs> but and they, they project ladies were partying the whole time. <laughs> for sure, and they to- chose people. Jr. chose people from both sides of the debate, and I think there was even some people that were still sort of in the middle. So I thought it was just a tremendous project, and you know, more people could take a lesson from from that. That you can actually have a discussion and a debate. And you don't even have to agree to disagree. You can just allow people the space to have their own opinions without, you know, vilifying them and clobbering them over the head. What a concept, right? What a minute. Oh, we have to. (laughs) Yes. No, I I, I think it's fantastic. And it was, it was kind of sad. We, I, we actually met Eric Stelwell there and, um, 
warned him that we'd come and see him at the DC project. And we met Shannon Watts, who was, hate to say it, not the most pleasant person I've ever run into, but, mm. um, but it was know. interesting. Um, you know, and JR, I, the whole, the guy was amazing. I had no idea what being an artist was all about, except that guy knew where every single person was going to be on that picture and knew how to pose you so it would look like it fit. And I was like, I was just amazed when, you know, he told me, well, stand there and look like, like, you're like questioning people. Why can't you understand me? And I'm like, so that's kind of why I'm like the way I'm standing there. And I look at it and it was perfect the way he put me in the picture. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was such a huge project, such an incredible um, part of your memoirs, right? I mean, a neat thing to, to pass along to kids and great I'm sorry. If I get on the cover of Rolling Stone, that'll be all of it. But uh, <laughs> I love it. Time Magazine was way up there. <laughs> For sure. So going back to it's okay to not have everybody agree with your position on things. You would really like to step into the position and be elected to a position on the NRA Board of Directors. Now talk about an organization that has knives and daggers coming at it from every direction. What are you thinking? <laughs> Insanity does run in my family. Um, <laughs> but um, well, actually, uh, we're kind of one of the most boring families in the history of the world in that respect. But, um, but um, fundamentally, I'm, I'm a person, I, you know, I belonged to the NRA as a life member for probably close to 40 years. I don't remember exactly when I joined, but I joined when I was 14 or 15 because I was in a competitive shooter in, in high school and they kept track of all the scores and, and uh, you know, for the competitions. And so I joined because I thought it was, you know, it was $14 a year or $10 a year back then, something ridiculous. But, you know, I got my job and I joined the NRA. Yay. Um, and um, so I've been, I've been actively involved. Um, it's kind of hard in California. We really haven't had a whole lot of interaction in California with the NRA, but I've been involved in the local and the state chapters, state organizations and things. Um, what really got me fired up is, first of all, I'm, I've been watching the NRA be attacked for years. And, uh, and, and they're being attacked by people who definitely don't have our Second Amendment rights uh, at heart. I mean, they're, and, you know, right now we call them the Bloombergs, we call them the Moms to Men to Action, but they're, they're this evolving group of, of very dedicated opponents. I mean, you know, when you teach firearms training, you learn about dedicated and more opponents, and these people are dedicated. They mm -hmm. will show up with 30 pleasantly retired old ladies, all wearing red shirts, and for every, just about every meeting in San Diego. And unfortunately, most of them are retired and on former state and county employees so they're all on this they're all on uh, retirement um and all of our people are working for a living and have to take days off to be there you know and uh, and it's kind of frustrating um so anyways uh to the nra you know i went to the the um indianapolis uh annual meetings and i was just enthralled i i'd been interfacing through the dc project with uh, willis lee a lot um, I got, he got me a couple of really incredible invitations to uh, the outreach dinner and met awesome people. A lot of people I'd met before, some of them through the DC project, some of them through um, just other, uh, or the Heller. I'm, I'm, you and I both love Dick Heller and, and that's actually 
Is that no? We actually met through the DC project, um, and then met Heller at the same time. So it was really mm -hmm. funny. And um, so um, you know, it just it kind of just got me more fired up than you know, that. You know, I'm in a position in my life where I live by myself. I, nobody's dependent on my income. Um, I've got a lot of opportunity to get out and do things in the world. And, and I have an opinion that some people generally appreciate, um, not necessarily everybody, but I'm not trying to impress everybody. I'm trying to be who I am. Um, I have represent kind of an interesting demographic, uh, which I don't generally pull that card out very often, but, um, you know, it's not a well, de well represented demographic on the NRA board. Oh, the old LGBT trans thing, you know, there's not too many of those people on the board, like none. <laughs> um, <laughs> you would um, be the first, I believe, that represents that or that uh, demographic. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been a, the first on a few things. So, um, but anyway, so I I went to a lot of the meetings. I listened to a lot of people, and I said, you know, I can do this. I I'm dedicated enough. I'm I've been on a lot of. Nonprofit boards, nothing as big as the NRA for sure. Um, I'm very analytical. I'm very, um, you know, people, I, I'm like, you put information in front of me about climate change and I'm like, where's your data? You know, it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm inquisitive, but not obnoxious. I want to know, you know, the background information on stuff. Um, I can make uh, logical leaps and, you know, in information. Um, I, my whole life, my whole professional career, I was always the person that was sent out to new companies, new technologies and said, tell us what you think about this technology, you know, and evaluate it. Is it worthwhile? Is it something like that? So I'm pretty good at that. And, um, you know, um, it, <laughs> to the point that it gets me in trouble talking to people because I assume they're as quick picking stuff up as I am. Um, but uh, I, I don't see joining it at this period of time to be bad. I think uh, somebody from the Times of San Diego said, well, why in the world would you join when there's all this possibility of, of being sued and things like that? I said, hey, I'm the perfect candidate. I got no assets. <laughs> <laughs> Sue me. It's like squeezing blood from a rock or a little bit worse. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it, again, that just kind of puts me in a unique position where I can be unafraid. I can, I can push the the edge. I can ask for the information that people don't want to ask for because my career is not at risk. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I don't, I, as for people who supported me, I talked to 35 board of directors members at the pre, uh, at the president's reception, uh, a lot of the women in the women's leadership forum. And they were all like, yes, do it. You know, we, we want you to do it. I've gotten a couple emails from um, very well-placed ladies that I've met saying, well, how are you doing on your petitions? How are you doing this? How are you doing? People on the nominating committee that are like, ah, can I help you? You know? And, uh, and so I'm hoping that comes through. Um, That's awesome. That's fantastic. So that was, one of my, that was one of my questions is what kind of support have you received and what is that the process to be placed on the ballot? Well, uh, okay, so there's two ways to get on the ballot. One is the petition process, which is a lot harder to do than I anticipated it would be. Uh, you need to get over 700 uh, signatures from voting members. And um, I got a bunch of them. I've got several hundred. I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm trying to hook up with a couple people for some of the 
meetings. The problem is I haven't been traveling much to those to NRA events lately. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been with those people, um, which is something that I will completely rectify. I mean, one of the, one of my basic goals or one of my basic uh, promises is I will never miss a board meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're elected into a fiduciary responsibility, and you accept that fiduciary responsibility, you need to exercise that. That's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a delegate to the Republican convention in California. I don't miss conventions. Nobody mm-hmm. gets my proxy because I don't, I want to hear the information. I want to make my informed uh, votes. And um, so, um, so there's that method, which is the petitions. And then you send that in. And if you get more than, I think it's 702 this year, it's, uh, I think it's 5% of the number of people that voted last time. So it's like almost 15,000. Yeah, believe it or not, there are 2.4 million eligible voters. Only 150,000 of them vote. I know, it's terrible. It's and, a terrible percentage. I mean, we- it's like 5%. So how do you reach those 5% of people? You know? Right. And then, you know, only 5% vote. And how many gripe and complain and throw daggers and, you know, it's like, if when you get a chance to have a say, have a say. And then people will listen to you more if you feel like, you know, things aren't going in the direction you want them to go. Or if you believe it's going the way you don't want to do it and you don't vote, you kind of cast your I don't care vote. You know, it's, yeah. uh, I yell at the same people that complain about uh, my, my former mother-in-law was hardcore conservative got mad at Richard Nixon stopped voting oh and she complained I'm like you can't complain if you don't vote and she said I can complain about anything I want well truly she can but you know you people will take you much more seriously if you have put your money and your time where your mouth is so getting those 700 signatures you've got an awesome opportunity coming up because you and I will both be at the Gun Rights Policy Conference here in Phoenix, Arizona. That is put on every single year by the Second Amendment Foundation. And that is such an awesome event. It is a speaker event. So it's a day and a half of listening to speakers from all over really the world, um, but definitely about uh, across the country who are talking about our second amendment challenges and issues and laws and things of that nature. Uh, There are some that are inspirational, some that are informational and it is a free event every single year. And that is going to be held here in Phoenix, Arizona over the weekend of September uh, 20th, 21st and 22nd, I think is the actual dates. And to be in a room uh, filled I think they said they have 900 people signed up for that, um, that you'll be able to connect with people because I plan to sign your petition. I just haven't seen you yet in person. So, you know, I'm one of, I know, I know you're shaking your head. I'm one of how many people that uh, are, are a yes for you, but just haven't connected. And I can't imagine that I am far from alone in that. So, That'll be a great opportunity. It's a, it's a very weird, you know, I'm involved in regular politics a lot and you get a, you can find email lists and things like that, but the NRA doesn't share their membership lists with anybody. 
<laughs> and uh, which so, we don't want them to, to be honest, right? Know, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with that. It's just a statement of fact. And, right. Uh, I'm like, okay, so all those things you learned in, you know, campaign school, yeah, those will work. <laughs> so it, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic. And I know uh, when Willis Lee got reelected, we had this huge um, Facebook attack and you and I did ads for him and things like that. And, uh, and he's been a great supporter too. I, um, he's in a, a position now he can't really say, well, I support you or I don't support right. you. But he's been, um, you know, helpful in terms of telling me who's a good idea to see and things like that. So, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I hope I make it this year. If I don't make it this year, I'm going to make it next year. If I don't make it, I'll be there. Trust me. It, they can't get rid of me in, in anything, but uh, I'm making the, the best effort I can. Um, this has just been kind of a weird year with trying to navigate all the people that are being horrible on our side that are being horribly negative. And, uh, you know, oh, and yeah. it's like, not only do we have the usual suspects, right. who have the sharp knives and daggers out for the NRA. Now we have people that are good guys. <laughs> right. Pro 2A. And they're fighting with each other about the where the NRA is, where it should be going, on and on. It's a really tumultuous time. And you know what? It's not unique to the NRA. All Absolutely organizations not. of every size go through seasons like this. Yeah, um, I studied, uh, at one point in time, I found this really cool um, article, and I've never been able to find it again. It was a rise and fall of nonprofits. Mm. And it exactly described the same cycle that all nonprofits go through. And the health of the nonprofit is the length of the period of the cycle. Mm. So if it's a 20-year cycle, you know, that's about what the NRAs is. Uh, the, the Red Cross is about a 10-year cycle. And then, you know, but it, it so it, it is, it's normal. Um, you know, this one had some intrigue and, and, side dealing going on and I think I honestly think that the board of directors now is really taking a look at and trying to get things going in the right direction I just want to be part of it yeah absolutely and uh you know that's the thing is with like the intrigue and all of that is that I have seen because you know Twitter and Facebook they are hooey yay they can be a mess right I've seen people really kind of split Friendship. It's almost like the Democrats and the Republican thing over the last election, where people took such strong positions that it impacted and harmed their personal relationships. And I'm seeing that right now with people taking positions over what's going on with the NRA. And I'm thinking, I personally don't feel like I have the NRA's side of things yet. Um, and even if I did, I'm not going to lose a friendship that's a lifelong thing over something that is a temporary. And, you know, people have tried to take me to task about well, how can you say the NRA is temporary? I'm just saying that I know what's important in life. And the NRA is important to the work we do, but it's not the stuff of life, right? It's not my, my, Friendship, not my, you know, so, you know, just kind of keep some perspective, maybe I would like to say to people, I know that, that you do, Gina, and, and that's why I appreciate you so much. And you're such an amazing bridge builder. And you're such an amazing uniter 
and you navigate difficult conversations and turbulencies better than most people that I know. And I really admire that. And, and I think a lot of people can learn from that. Thank you. Sweetie. I appreciate that. It's the truth. I'm not buttering you up. It is the truth. It's a rare quality and we need more of it. Um, so getting back to um, the, the ways that people are divided and the things that they get divided over, there is something that just happened in the news today as we sit here talking on uh, September 4th, 2019. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors, okay, so how important are they in, in our lives? I don't know. I guess they think they're much more important than, than I would consider them. They passed a resolution declaring the NRA as a domestic terrorist organization, and they urged the federal government to follow their lead. What say you, California resident Gina Roberts? Well, first of all, um, San Francisco is the only county in California that the county and the city are contiguous. So um, the County Board of Supervisors of San Francisco is really just kind of a bizarre um, figurehead thing. They do run the sheriff's department and things like that because the sheriff's departments in California run in counties. But it's they, there are so many things going wrong in San Francisco. For them to say the NRA is all of our problem, it's it's almost laughable. I mean, you just you just you look at them and your eyes have an automatic roll. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I got a cramp. Personally, my eyes rolled so hard. I got a cramp from it. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to close my eyes and refocus here. No, it, um, I mean, I, I, I refer to the San Francisco City Council and, and the Board of Supervisors up there as basically the Ninth Circuit Court of Politics. And mm -hmm. uh, they're, um, they're, they're Looney Tunes. But, um, you know, San Francisco, we got to remember, Diane Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, and formerly Barbara Boxer, I don't know where Camilla Harris lives. But the three of those lived within like three blocks of each other. So, I mean, you're, you're not talking about open-minded people. Um, and, um, but uh, I just find that, and these are the same people that would say that the Southern Poverty Law Center is a, you know, a non-terrorist organization, mm. uh, which has absolute proof that they incite violence whereas last time i checked nobody that's very few people that have been permitting murders are nra members and the nra just, just <laughs> i mean maybe i can't say none but all the the big yeah. flashy news stories they instantly want to blame the nra and these people are not nra members right and and you know the nra's trained 32 million kids in the eddie eagle program they train a million people a year through their uh, instructor program in gun safety. Um, they're involved in politics through the NRA ILA, um, just like about every organization. Well, they were outspent this year by Soros and his PAC. Um, so why don't we declare Soros and his PAC a domestic terrorist organization? We've got some information about that. I, it's just Looney Tunes. Um, I'm just going to go right there. Um, the, yeah, uh, the and I love... I'm sorry, I love that you brought up Eddie Eagle because we've held a few Eddie Eagle classes at our place of business at azfirearms.com. So 
of that huge number of kids, we've had, you know, a hundred or so, maybe a couple hundred pass through our area um, learning from that program. And the, the people that they want to call a terrorist organization, the NRA, what is the first thing that the NRA ever tells their young, potentially future members? They, they tell these kids, stop, don't touch the gun, run away from the gun, and tell a grown-up. Now, that doesn't sound like a very good business plan for an organization that some want to say they just want to get a gun in the hand of every single person in America, whether they're, you know, they should uh, legally or should mentally or anything else have a gun. I, that, I don't think that that really squares, does it? Oh, you know, and, and the NRA was the people that originally put forth the National Instrument Background Check Program, you know. That was the NRA that drove that through to, you know, after the Brady Bill and things like that. It was like, okay, let's do this. We're going to do this. Let's do it right. Now, there is some things that need to be modified in that. But yeah. you know, overall, you know, the NRA doesn't, has supported that for years. Right. Um, you know, and uh, because, you know, everybody can lie on a 4473 form. And, right. uh, you know, even though it's a felony to fill it out, but our Supreme Court somehow said of filling it out, and lying on it is like breaking the Fifth Amendment, but another problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could just keep going down that rabbit hole. And I'm in a, an interesting position where it comes to the background checks. So as a citizen of the United States, I am of the mind that our founding fathers fought, bled, starved, and died so that uh, we would have a legal representation of our God-given rights to keep and bear arms, preserve our lives as we choose and see fit. And so when they said shall not be infringed, period, end of story, walk away from it. As a citizen, I am of that mind. As a business owner who has a gun store, right, I am bound in order to have my privilege of doing business, my privilege license, me and my staff have to enforce that everybody that buys a gun fills out a 4473, whether they're standing in front of me, whether I'm shipping it to another uh, FFL in another state, and they're going to handle the 4473. I have to enforce that. And there's part of me as a business owner that's glad for that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, if you know any reason why I shouldn't sell this, you know, it's like the Better Business Bureau of Customers. So I, I really am of two, two minds about it. And so I can argue either side of it with the best, with the best of them. And, um, and I can 100% feel like I'm, I'm speaking the truth from both perspectives. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I'm, I certainly won't argue with you. Um, you know, the, the, the difference between a privilege and a right is, is fundamental. You know, everybody's saying, well, we should do it just like they give driver's license. Well, big difference, privilege mm -hmm. versus right. Um, now, as responsible gun owners and, and responsible sellers of guns, we really like to encourage people to know how to safely use them, how mm -hmm. to get training so that if they ever are confronted with a situation where mm -hmm. they need to do it, they should be on their own trained. They, they need to seek out and get that. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, would I deny somebody the right to protect themselves 
you know, I mean, the gun is the ultimate equalizer. You know, mm -hmm. if you're a 90 pound lady, I don't have that problem. Uh, and you're attacked, Me by, <laughs> you're attacked by some monstrous, evil, vicious human being, male or female, doesn't matter. You have a chance if you have a gun. If you don't have a chance, if you don't have a chance, if you don't have a method of it, protecting yourself, um, you know, I know 90 pound ladies that can take down a 250 pound guy, but they're pretty incredible. Um, you know, they're, they're extremely well trained. Um, but, you know, the whole, you know, the whole Colonel Colt thing, you know, it's like, you know, God created everybody, but Colonel Colt made them equal, you know. Um, Absolutely the truth. Uh, you know, if you notice this picture, I was standing below in the uh, um, Times Magazine thing, which wasn't planned, by the way, it just worked out that way. It says, and I actually helped make the sign, it says, gun rights equals women's rights. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm a believer that, you know, the Second Amendment has done a whole lot more for protecting women and, and than the whole entire feminist movement. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's because of my background's a little different than some, but um, mm -hmm. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. And so just to, to ask you, um, and I'll make it clear for my, my audience that I am not for expanding background checks because the system as it stands is not efficient. It's not good. Um, I don't think it'll, we'll ever be able to put enough information in any system that will solve all of the issues. And so people will constantly be coming back and back and back and saying, well, we need more information. We need to know from the moment of birth, every word, every syllable this person ever uttered. And, you know, and then who's going to be the arbiter of what did that mean? You know, um, you know, we're allowed to have private conversations or have moments where we're just venting, you know, that kind of thing. And then people might want to take all those things the wrong way. I don't think there's any system that could ever be built that is going to do what people really want. And what they want is they want to feel safer. For me, uh, I, safer, I practice and train and carry. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, the fundamental, fundamental thing is you're your first responder. Um, and a lot of people have chosen to give that, that right or that responsibility to others, which is wrong. Um, California has universal background checks. Mm -hmm. California runs their own um, background check system through the Department of, of Justice, which is a problem because that database and the federal database don't agree. Hmm. How that happened? Um, you know, the people are. There's that movie where they they try to do pre-crime. You know, if we think you're gonna you're commit a crime. Well, who's the person that's making that decision? I love these people. Well, you need to look at mental health information. Great. Adjudicated mental health problems? No problem. They should be considered. Mm -hmm. But that boils down to the same problem with the red flag law. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, have, you have people that are going to be, I know you were going to talk about that later, but it kind of ties in well. It, no, it's perfect. Um, anyway, go ahead. Um, you know, you have people that are making subjective decisions mm -hmm. based on minimal information you know it's like um i mean when i was a kid when i was in high school you know i walked into a uh, an american nazi party office there was probably somebody that was these days would take a picture of that well there was a reason we did that we tried to get them to recruit us minors and got them thrown out of the city of la mesa because of that um 
you know, but um, so if somebody just took a picture of that, mm -hmm. that would have framed me in some awful frame of mind, which I could never fight back, which is right. why I did it so easily. Right. Um, but the fact that we literally got those guys thrown and arrested out of town for, um, you know, adding to the delinquency of a minor. I trust me, I had opportunities to be a delinquent, but, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it was great. The city of La Mesa came up, they dragged those guys out of town. It was beautiful. But you know, it's that snapshot picture. You know, if some, if I said, Oh, these people are driving me crazy, you know, what does that really mean? Does somebody right. that in, in government think that, Oh my gosh, Gina flipped out. She's going to go after everybody. Well, Trust me, if, if I was going to flip out, there are opportunities many, many times before that that would have happened <laughs> if it was going to. But, you know, that's not my, uh, not mine and 99.99% of gun owners. You know what I mean? Look at, this, at the state of Texas uh, statistics on concealed weapons holders. They're one-sixth as likely to create, to have, you know, to do a crime as law enforcement. Mm -hmm. They are the good guys. Um, now, granted, they're they're um, vetted, they're background checked, and things like that, which is one of the upsides in my mind for um, you know for licensed concealed carry. Um, well, it's, for one thing, it's really interesting if you if you're a cop and you walk up to a car and somebody says, "I'm a licensed concealed carry person," and I'm carrying right now, and you give them their card. First of all, they know. You've been vetted. You've passed two background checks. You've been fingerprinted. You're a good guy. We don't have to freak out about you. Mm -hmm. um, but you know the whole, um, you know, it's a, it's your right, and you know, and you know, rights have responsibilities too. I, you know, you you can't sit here and say, oh, you have the absolute unfettered right to own anything. Well, yeah, you have the absolute unfettered right to say anything you want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody or doesn't. Uh, you know, cause inside a riot or something like that, or you know, That's true. Kill, kill people in a in a thing. So, you know, and 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 Scalia said it quite well in the in the Heller decision. He said there is some reasonable um, control that that can be you know applied to a right, um, but the controls that they're asking for, first of all, in California with universal background checks, didn't stop the San Bernardino people, didn't stop the idiot up in Gilroy didn't um, you know it doesn't work we have data that says universal background checks don't work because first of all the data is bad right the system's bad for how you how you correlate people's names you get 3.5 million false positives a year that said you can't buy a gun right. because of the crazy algorithms they use to identify people fix those problems if you're gonna you know and and that'll you know and put the real adjudicated data in um but um you know this whole thing of we want to we really it all boils down we want to register everybody that has a gun so we know where to go get them that's the fundamental thing that they're trying to do so, i definitely don't disagree with that and you know with your rights come responsibilities but the minute that you have to ask permission from anyone it is no longer a right. And that is that, that dividing line for me. So here in Arizona, we have constitutional carry, but we still encourage all of our, uh, at, at our gun shop, especially brand new uh, purchasers, we still encourage them to go get the training 
go ahead and get your concealed carry license. And then one of the benefits of that is a lot of times people don't understand. If we went with a universal background check, there are days in our store that the entire business day, the NICS background check, the FBI background check system is down. Right. We are essentially out of business the entire day. So if we went with a universal, with a flick of a switch, they could say, oh, we're having technical difficulties indefinitely. And guess what? They have just implemented universal gun control, universal no selling or transferring of firearms, period. Yeah. And that is a true threat. And um, so if I you have a concealed carry license, we can make the transaction. We, we still do the paperwork, but it's not called in because you've already been vetted. So we do still encourage people, even though um, the law here says you don't have to have anybody's permission to own any gun. We do still have to put you through the, the background check, which is a, that's a loophole. That's where the, the loophole is, not at the, the gun shows or the private sales. But, um, you know, when you, go ahead. Oh, and also getting your concealed weapons permit license, whatever, allows you to carry in other states. Mm -hmm. um, Know, which a lot of the permitless carry, you know, if you have, if you permitless carry in, in, in Arizona, you can't, for instance, go to Nevada. And I'm just, I'm not sure anymore because the laws have changed. You need to have a Arizona permit to carry in Nevada. I know, I know that applies in Texas too. So, so then with the, uh, as you were saying, with the universal background check. Uh, there'll never be enough information to, to make the system that they want. And then it, it can go down. It can be hacked. How about that? Right? No, no, no. It's just like the election system. Nobody can hack the election. No. Oh, because, oh, for the love of Pete, like take your rose colored glasses off people. Hackers mm -hmm. live for this kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, with yeah, and I know those people too. And they, it, it's a challenge. It's like, yeah. It's a gauntlet. Heck yeah. Give me that challenge. And so uh, with the red flag gun laws, there will never be enough items or tools or, uh, you know, things that people can use to harm others that you could ever confiscate to make any sense. Because if the person is a threat to self or others, which is what the red flag gun law is supposed to be about, if you think someone's a threat to self or others, that you can make that phone call and the authorities... What authority is going to say, well, I'm not too sure that person on the phone didn't sound believable. They're not going to do that. They're going to cover their butts and they're going to follow through and they're going to show up at somebody's door and they're going to confiscate the person who's a threat to self or others and quarantine the person who's a threat to self or others. No, they're going to take just the guns they know about, right? <laughs> and they're going to leave behind the knives and they're going to leave behind the pressure cooker, right? They're going to leave behind all the other things that people can and have and will use to harm their self or others. It is a completely nonsensical system that they're trying to put into place and people are being duped into doing the little head bob. Oh yeah, we don't want crazy people to have guns. So yeah, this makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Think it through, ask the right questions. Um, sorry, I got on a soapbox there. Uh, well, in, Sa in San Diego, we 
you know, California has red flatlock laws. They call them gun violence restraining orders. And we've had like 150 of them issued in San Diego County. And our city attorney is a lover of, of GBROs. And, and so they've issued 150 of them. And in every single one of those cases, they didn't need a, G, a gun violence restraining order to go get that person's gun because they were either a felon in possession of guns, a felon in possession of ammunition, uh, a domestic abuser in possession of guns. They had all the existing law they needed to take care of it. All they needed to do was respond to the report from um, thing. But now, let's say, I mean, I'm a pro-gun advocate in California. So the thing I'm really worried about is all of these anti-gun people pushing this stuff can start, you know, finding a six degrees of connection to me and find somebody that will turn me in as some wacko because I'm a pro-gun person and come and get my guns. Well, there's no penalty for doing that. Right. Somebody can turn me in as totally fraudulently and have no, absolutely no penalty involved. And for me to get my stuff back, I have to either wait the year living in stigma or I have to come up with thousands of dollars to go fight that mm -hmm. and fight something that I never even had a hearing on. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it, and then the one we were talking about in the DC project is, okay, so I have a wacko boyfriend that's been beating me around the head and shoulders. Well, he it would be a really stupid person in my case, but, but, uh, <laughs> right. Um, that wacko person who I've now broken up with, I want to run down in California. We have a 10 day waiting period. So I got to start, I want to buy a gun. I got to wait 10 days. And all that X has to do is because they were in a relationship with me, mm -hmm. go to the, the district attorney, say, I'm afraid of this person. They shouldn't have a gun. Yep. And without a hearing, I'm now defenseless again against a person that has proven to be a violence, a violent you know, abuser. And um, it, it's just insane. Um, you know, well, and they don't even have to go that far, Gina, because the San Francisco Board of Supervisors has just declared there's got to be something wrong with someone like you who wants to join the board of directors of the NRA, which is a domestic terrorist organization. Oh, and I'm a life member. So clearly, uh, there's got to be something wrong with me because now I am a member of this domestic terrorist organization. Do you see how quickly, how easily the other side does this? And, it, they're, and they're getting really, really good at it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. terrible. And we're helping. There's people on our side that are helping. Uh, the, 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 when I say our side, I mean the side of, of our rights because they, they want that compromise. They want to seem like they're being reasonable and they want to fit with common sense gun laws and they are being completely duped into falling right in line with the people that are going to uh, be able to declare us unfit, um, of not sound mind, of whatever they want so that, and they don't care how many lives they destroy, so that they remove the guns from, they think they're gonna get all the guns from society. That is an impossibility, but they don't care uh, what it will take 
in their quest for this impossible in game. And, and the saddest part of that is some of the people who are claiming to be fighting for gun rights and maintaining gun rights are fighting together so vigorously when our opponents are all forming coalitions and working together yeah. and forming, you know, um, it's, it, it's, it's awful. And, uh, you know, I, I got accused of, you know, questioning somebody's loyalty basically. Cause I said, you know, if you're fighting against another gun organization, you're aiding and abetting the enemy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, not you know, that's yeah. not a huge stretch to say that. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but it, you know, a couple people took, extreme exception to that. And I was like, no, um, you are giving them more ammunition because every time somebody says, you know, oh, well, we can, you know, the NRA is the problem, you know, or Wayne LaPierre is the problem, whatever, whatever they're saying. The Bloomberg group grabs onto that and says, oh boy, we've got another person that's actually on our side. Mm. And, um, you know, and it, it, it's, it's crazy. And, and I'll give you a hint. The NRA is not the best organization at getting everybody to work together. They tend to alienate smaller groups too. And if nothing else, that's one of the things I want to help, try to help influence by getting when I get a positive attitude. <laughs> <laughs> when, yes, not an if. Um, you know, is to try to build those coalitions. And, you know, and there's a place for the gun owners of America. There's a place for the firearms policy. Coalition. There's a place for the NRA. There's a place for San Diego County gun owners. And any of this incipient snipping at each other that that tears each any of these other organizations down is insane. It's you know it's like good old Albert Einstein who didn't really say it, but you know keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result is the definition of insanity. You know, and uh, and it also applies to the guys that keep doing these silly feel good laws that have been proven to do nothing. Mm. I mean, that whole, you know, 10 years of ban the assault weapons, mm-hmm. no statistical change in anything mm-hmm. based on that law. Because first of all, assault guns, assault weapons in their term, which is a dumb term, are such a small percentage of the crime, <laughs> you know, in the world. You know, it, it, let's go after suicide prevention. Let's do something that'll actually make a difference. You know, mm-hmm. and we have friends that are working very vigorously on trying to solve suicide or you know, help with suicide. You know, but fortunately, a lot of those people, it doesn't matter if they have a gun or not, they're still going to find a way to terminate them. But then it'll be in the other category. It won't be a gun death. It'll be a death by carbon monoxide or something like that. Right. It, right. It, it's, um, you know, it's just all about focus. It's all about what we, what we need to stop fighting internally about, um, you know, if you have a disagreement, fine, have a disagreement, but you know, don't give the enemy the ammunition to beat us up. So. Boy, I hear you there. <laughs> well, we got to start wrapping up, but uh, I know, right. As I had mentioned, um, we are both DC project delegates. I am Arizona. You are one of our California delegates. And we are holding uh, a reception that's going to have several of our ladies uh, present, several several of our delegates here in Arizona during the Gun Rights Policy Conference. So on the evening of Thursday, September 19th, 2019, from 6 to 8 p.m., 
at uh, our gun shop, AZ Firearms, at 215 East Western Avenue in Avondale, Arizona. We are going to have Miss Gina, myself, our founder, Diana Muller, Amanda Suffacool, uh, Adam A. Dillon, Beth Alcazar, Lara Smith, Robin Sandoval, Rhonda Azell, Stephanie Schaefer, and I think others who um, I'm probably uh, being negligent to mention, all together in a room, uh, taking selfies and talking a little bit about ourselves and uh, the work that we're doing with the DC Project, which of course is 50 women, one from each state, coming together to talk to our legislators every summer in Washington, D.C. about why a woman like us, why women like us value our Second Amendment rights. We're not the stereotype. We're not the bearded, camoed, 50-year-old, so, slow-talking dude, right? Those are great people. I've learned a ton from them. But, but we speak from a different perspective. And a lot of times our legislature, legislators, they're kind of taken a little aback, right? They don't quite expect, you know, the Betty Crocker polka dot lady to come walking in with her two grandbabies and her daughter, three generations. They maybe don't anticipate, well, wait a minute, you're, you know, a trans woman and you're supposed to be a Democrat and Democrats are automatically supposed to hate guns. Right. And so um, our group, we do have Democrats who are very passionate about their Second Amendment rights. Uh, we have independents. We have um, black, brown, red, yellow, polka dotted. <laughs> right. Crazy. Yeah, we have uh, every demographic um, of female uh, American citizens who value their Second Amendment rights, whether they're gun owners or not, whether they're competitors, whether, whatever, they don't even, you don't even have to be a gun owner to value your Second Amendment rights. Oh. Right? Uh, so, like, I don't have to be a, uh, a newspaper publisher to value somebody's uh, First Amendment rights. You know, exactly. You either own the, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights or you don't. You know, it's like, it's not a pick and choose kind of thing. But uh, just, uh, a comment about the DC project people. They are 50 or 60 of the most amazing women I've ever met in my life. And I am so honored, so privileged to hang out with them. It's just, they're just so focused, so intelligent, so accomplished. And all these type A women that just get along like sisters. And it's wonderful. So. It's amazing because we understand that let's shoulder up, right? Let's go shoulder to shoulder get the work done, maybe later around drinks or coffee or whatever, we can debate, you know, the difference between a, a Democrat gun owner or a Democrat, you know, and, and, and a Republican or whatever. But we are focused on the true enemies that are truly trying to trample our Bill of Rights. And I think that Diana Muller created such an incredible thing and it you know it comes from the leadership the the attitude the behavior it comes from the leadership and she models being able to to do that uh and put the first things first and uh it, it's a wonderful thing I, I think that more people could take a lesson from her and from the group of women group, yeah um, it, it's just amazing and it's so much fun every time we get together and always feel like we accomplish so much 
We do. And so everybody that wants to come and join us on uh, Thursday, September 19th, 2019 can go to Eventbrite and uh, look up the DC Project reception tickets, or I've also put the link on Gina Roberts' guest page on gunfreedomradio.com. Click the guest page, find Gina, and then buy your tickets that way. They're only 20 bucks. And it is a fundraiser. We are going to, full disclosure, we're going to ask you to support the work we do through your dollars. Um, But it's also going to be a lot of fun. And then just as we wrap up, uh, Gina, for your bid for the NRA Board of Directors, how can people reach out to you, support you, um, sign your petition? Uh, What can they do right now today to say, you know what, I would love to, to have that kind of representation that I've listened to here today Uh, I would love to be represented on the NRA Board of Directors by that person. Um, Well, the easiest thing is to search, uh, go on Facebook and search Gina for NRA Board. Um, And I have a a web or a Facebook page there. You can download the uh, petition, uh, print it out on any printer in landscape mode, sign it, give me your NRA number so I don't have to call and get it, um, and mail it back to me. Uh, there's an address at the bottom, and we we have it has to be done by snail mail. They have to have wet signatures, um, and um, so and I need to get it back, well as soon as possible because I'm actually going on a I'm going to a match in Kentucky in uh, the week that they have to be turned in. So I need to get them done a little early. Um, and uh, but so get it back to me as fast as you can. I'm going to have a friend come by and collect any of them that come in later. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I just can't wait. I, I'm hoping to get the nomination committee nod to, um, you know, that would, that kind of an icing on the cake kind of thing. But if I can get the petitions and the nomination board, we're like, life would be good. So that's the easiest way to help me right now. And I would appreciate the daylights out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I highly encourage everybody to do that. And if you are at the gun rights policy conference, uh, in mid-September, uh, I know you will see Miss Gina, and uh, I'm sure you will have your uh, ballots. Is that the the right the right term? <laughs> Petition, um, so that everybody can add their signature in real ink, in real person, um, and uh, you can get those in on time. Gina, thank you so much. I so appreciate you as a person. I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate your time here with us today. Um, just at one more time, as we go out, please tell folks how they can reach out to you, how they can connect with you, whether it's through Facebook or if you have any kind of a web page, um, so that they can, uh, you know, really, we have to have our kindred spirits being able to reach each other easily in all of the noise of today's world. Well, uh, I also remember I have a, a Gmail account, Gina the number four NRA at gmail.com. Send me a, a, a request or just send me an email and I'll send you the, the PDF of the uh, petition that's all customized. It has my name on it and all the right names and addresses and things on it. And that would be the easiest way. Um, but looking at my Facebook page is just as, just as simple. And you don't have to interface with me. You can just do it and send it to me and I'll be happy. Very good. And nothing tricky about the spelling of your name, G-I-N-A-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Right. And, uh, and actually the uh, uh, email is G-I-N-A, the number four, N-R-A, 
at gmail.com. So doesn't get any easier than that. Well, thank you again so much for being with us here today, Gina. Thank you so much, sweetie. Always good to see you and, and always wonderful to talk with you because you're so much fun. Thank you. Right back at you. All right, everybody, stick around. There's always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.